So today I wanted to talk about receiving from the Lord. We just did, we love giving at this church, but in order to give extravagantly, I'm really convinced over this year that you have to be able to receive extravagantly from the Lord in order to be a giver. Um, and I wanted to talk about it. Really, it's about humility. It's really about humility. And so we just, I'm hoping, I hope everyone got a Christmas present. Um, you know, and Christmas and even birthdays, you know, um, they're about giving, but they're also about receiving, you know, and there's some emotions behind that. I don't know how you feel about it when it's your birthday and all eyes are on you and you're blowing out the candles and you're getting the gifts and you're the only one there getting everything. I don't know how that makes you feel. Personally, one of my love languages is gifts. But with that, it, there, the, there's things that go with that. There are emotions that go with that. If that's one of your love languages, there's emotions that go with giving and receiving, you know? And... Um, Receiving well is just as important in the kingdom as giving well. Um, so let's talk about it a little bit. Um, the kingdom of God really does come through receiving the truth, receiving the man, right? All of him. And we're going to look at that some more. And then receiving your brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, and, and what does that look like? We're going to talk about that a little bit more. You know, what does it mean to receive someone that's right in front of us? What does that look like? What does that mean? What does that do to your heart when you've actually really received someone? Right, so we'll talk about that. So in case you're not familiar, I mean, I had to kind of look it up. Receiving is a verb. It's an action word right? Um, it's to be given something, presented with, paid something, right? It's to hear something, to formally hear something, to suffer, to experience, to be subject to a specified treatment of people, right? You might be receiving a whipping, you know? I received some whippings in my day. I did, don't hold back, family. I'm just kidding. And I'm not. I think my last whipping, I was a ninth grader. It was rough. A ninth grader. A ping pong paddle. It hurt. Um, to admit as a member, like to become part of a club, is to receive. Um, or to detect a signal, like a broadcast, a receiver, right? Technical. So why would we even talk about this? Because receiving, the why behind this is because receiving is all about humility. And, and really, it's what Jesus did in order to enter in the kingdom, in order to understand who he was on earth as a boy, all the things, that's how he got there, was by receiving the Father and understanding his Father, right? So um, 
humility is how the kingdom comes through you and how you receive what the scriptures say. And even the, the, there's another realm, right? You understand? The kingdom is another realm. So you have to receive it by humility because it seems foolish, but we have to humble ourselves in order to receive it. It's a mystery, right? We have to humble ourselves in order to get the plank out of our eye so that we can see someone and something and something that's supernatural, right? Um, the scriptures even say, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's James 4. Therefore, it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you, right? He gives more grace. The grace of the kingdom comes through that humility when you've decided that you're going to receive something from him. Super important. Receiving will activate the grace of God that you're destined to walk in this year. There's a special grace for you. And I really believe um, what Tracy was saying with the going through the narrowing place, the, the parting of the sea. There's a special grace that comes on you this year to do the things that you need to do. You're wondering, how will this happen? It seems impossible. Well, the grace will hit you. The grace will click in, right? And even now, tonight, we go into a reset of a new month. There's a new grace for this new month. You step into it. It's a first fruits day, right? You receive that, you step in by faith, and you're going to feel the reset of this new month, right? I, I wasn't feeling New Year's Eve. I wasn't feeling it. I don't know about you, but I said, okay, Lord, you have to think about it because the Gregorian calendar is aligning with the Hebrew calendar. Do you realize that New Year's Eve was a Shabbat? So maybe we were supposed to rest on that day. I don't know. I was. I was struggling to stay awake. I mean, I'm an early riser, but I was like, I was dying. I was hurting. But I was like, okay, Lord, maybe that's because today is actually a new moon on your calendar. Maybe that's today is the reset for me. So I'm going to step in by faith, and you can too. Um, but one of the things about receiving um, is it attacks that orphan spirit in all of us. It attacks the poverty spirit in all of us. Well, I don't know if I have that. Well, check your heart when you receive something from someone. Maybe it's not exactly what you wanted. Oh, there's that poverty spirit popping up. That's not exactly what I wanted. Well, why is that poverty? Because you think, well, I didn't get what I wanted. There's lack. There's no lack in the kingdom. We got 10 malls. Just go get you what you want. <laughs> Don't worry about it. All right, so that poverty spirit peaks up in us when, when we don't get what we want. Right? Well, what about the orphan spirit? The orphan spirit pops up when you're like, I don't know if I deserve this extravagant gift. I don't know if I can take it. Do I deserve this? Was I good enough? Do I belong? That's that orphan spirit. You receive that gift and it's like, oh, I don't know. Wow, this is too much. Is it though? Because your father has the cattle on a thousand hills and maybe he used that person to give you something extravagant. Maybe you should take it. Right? So you feel the emotions of receiving 
And if gifts is your love language, you really feel it. I really wrestle over it. My family probably watches me a lot. But when that's your love language, it, affect, it affects your emotions. You know, so you had to let some of that go, right? Uh, it could be generational. Your family has received a certain way your whole life. This is what it looks like. Well, the Father has made you be able to receive the abundance of heaven and receive it all well so that you can use it in the grace of God to do what he's called you to do, right? So that's good news. That's good news. So we're going to enter to the door today of John 13 through 17. That doorway is open. I encourage you on your own to read these chapters. I encourage you to listen to them audibly because there's a doorway of revelation resting on John 13 through 17. Um, I don't know if you remember like almost a year ago prophetically, everybody that seen, was seeing that door open. Mike Bickle had a, a, a dream of it. Tracy had a dream of it. Today we're going to look at it. Um, let's go ahead and look at John 13, 1. It's so interesting that Jesus waited. <laughs> He's probably talking to him all along. But I mean, we're getting close to the finish line here. And he is really beginning to open up to his disciples about who he is. And it's crazy how much they don't know at this point. That's what blows my mind. Actually makes me feel good. So I'm like, well, if they didn't get it, okay. But he's really waiting until the finish line to tell them this, right? So he sets it up and it says, um, verse one, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. So he's saying, I better prepare them. I'm, I'm going to tell all of this to them. I think this demonstrates the power of his words, just that in that one moment, the light was going to turn on for them. In that one moment, they weren't going to understand who he was. Right, Because this is one big conversation. John 13, 14, 15, 16, and into 17 is one big conversation that he has with them right before. And you're thinking, surely you would have talked about this earlier. He must have, we don't know. Well, you can probably read some of the things. But it's crazy that they are in such a deficit Okay, look at, look at the response here and says, and supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments. He took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And this was not a rhetorical question. This was a negative response. Basically saying, you're not going to wash my feet. Because this was really a job for women and servants. Basically saying, what are you doing? We're not doing this. Essentially saying, 
that one statement reveals how much he did not know about Jesus. He did not know what was going on, what was about to happen, what his mission was. He had not really received him in his heart. Because he says this, Jesus answered and said, what I'm doing, you don't understand now, but you'll know after this. And Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Essentially, he's saying, I'm not receiving right now what you're doing. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm not going to take this. And then Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you'll have no part of me. And you got to think about this. I think I've been dialoguing with the Lord over this for a couple of months. I know because I went and got a pedicure. I don't have pedicures very much. I don't know what it is about that, but I love hygiene, but I just can't waste the money on that. I don't know what it is. That's just me. But I went and I did, did that. And I'm sitting there and I'm getting this dialogue with the Lord. If you've ever had a pedicure, or just imagine right now someone touching your feet. Just like think about it. Like use your imagination. Go get a pedicure. If you can't get your brain around it, it's worth the revelation. I'm serious. 35 bucks, revelation of Jesus. And hope you get a, a man pedicurist even. Like it, it matters. I'm telling you. I dare you to do it. <laughs> So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about this. And Jesus is saying to me, do you really receive me? Receiving him meant receiving everything he stood for. Like really. And how do we know that these disciples weren't ready for that? It tells you, it says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. This is verse nine. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my head only, but also my hands and my head, my hands and my head. Jesus said, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean and you're clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you're not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should go and do as I have done. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So we can skip to verse 20. And it says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. And that's the father. We know Peter hadn't fully received him because he thought he would go die for him. But instead, he denied him. And that's okay. Because we might be there. You might be there. 
Someone may ask you about something and you might deny the Lord. It's okay, he restores Peter. But you've got to ask yourself, do you receive Jesus and everything he stood for, everything he stands for? Will you let him wash your feet? Will you receive all that he is and all that he is right now? Because they knew that he was a teacher, that he was a healer. But I really think they were having trouble with the whole Messiah thing. The promised one, the one that Torah had talked about, the one they had waited for. If you think about it, he grew up in their town. They knew his parents. That's what they were struggling with that he was divine. And sometimes that's what we struggle with, that he's a man and he's alive and he's divine. And he's going to come through the sky. And he's going to land on the Mount of Olives and it's going to split in two. And he's going to walk through there. And this is where it's going. Sometimes we have a hard time receiving that that that's the truth. In order to receive him, you have to receive all of him. And in that moment, they couldn't. They couldn't do it. And you might be sitting there and you might can't do it. But the way that you move in that direction like Peter did is you let him wash you every day. You meditate on the word until it gets in you, until it transforms you, until you are able to receive all that he is. Until it becomes part of who you are because your DNA on the inside is made for him. It's made to understand and it's made to know him. It's made to, to receive him and it's made to go home with him. You were made for that. So you're made to understand and to receive, right? And to have everything that the kingdom offers you. But there's a progression in this revelation. So John 13, he says, most assuredly I say to you, he who receives wherever, whoever I send receives me. And that kind of moves us to one another as well. People he sends you. If you receive them, you receive him. And essentially you receive the father. That's what he tells them in John 13. In John 14, it says, And I'll pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Receiving him transforms you from the world as an orphan into the Spirit as a son. You can receive the Holy Spirit by faith, but the world is not going to receive him. They're not going to understand. They're not going to want him. John 15, he's continuing to lead them through this place of you've got to receive who I am. It says, John 15, 5 says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. 
We receive everything from him. The life flow comes out of us, right? The father is the vine dresser who fixes it all up for us. But we're receiving from Jesus as the vine, right? And then in 16, 24, it says, until now you've asked nothing in my name, but now he says, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Right there, that tells me that Jesus has empowered you to ask, to receive and to be full of joy at what the kingdom will do and break open in your life. You just gave in the offering. That, that seed that you planted when that multiplication comes and there's joy that flows into your life, you're supposed to celebrate that to the fullness because the Lord has ordained that for you and wants you to have it. And he wants to do explode in your life and for that joy to expound all over and expand the kingdom. That's the joy that comes from abiding in the vine and receiving from heaven. John 17, 8, for I've given to them the words which you have given me and they have received them. It's crazy how in four, three chapters, all of a sudden by 17, the power of the words of Christ are penetrating the disciples and they're understanding it. Because Jesus is saying, okay, they got it. It's pretty crazy in one conversation. The culmination of those three years are all coming together for them. And they're understanding like, whoa, because he tells us. He says, for I have given to them the words which you've given me and they have received them. For I have known surely that I came forth from you and they have believed that you sent me. All of a sudden, he knew that they got it. They believed. And now, okay, I'm going to go to the cross now. Right? This was so essential because you think about the spiritual nature of the cross, but also the upheaval of their life that was about to happen when this man went to the cross. Like the day-to-day. Like John got a new mother that he had to take care of, right? The, the disciples now were gonna be huddled in a room, like they probably weren't going back to their house, right? Their day-to-day was about to be shaken, you know? And then their trajectory was shifting because they pretty much were all martyred, right? So he was setting them up with this one conversation in these four chapters and somehow they got it and they were ready, If you're sitting there and you're like, I'm not sure if I'm ready. If this conversation got them ready, don't you think it could get you ready? This is a door that you should meditate on. It's an invitation that will ready you for whatever's coming to go through the eye of that needle. To receive who he is. Right? So... Just let that marinate because receiving is so important. And the joy that comes from receiving is the joy that exponentially spreads from you as you give, right? I think it would be impossible to be an extravagant giver with a poverty mindset and an orphan spirit and a pride The only way to be an extravagant giver is to humble yourself, become a son, and become wealthy. 
That's where it all come from, comes from, to where you can let go and multiply, right? That's going to be this year. So, okay, where are we at? It's good. All right, so let's talk about receiving people. It's a very interesting concept, right? Um, This began with a dialogue, too, a couple months ago. I was in the service, you know, a couple of weeks go by, and I could feel this awakening, you know, like the Song of Solomon, voice of the Lord saying, you know, awaken, you know, kiss me with the kisses of your word. It was a cry in my heart, and I was like, okay. I could feel this awakening happening. Awakening, okay, it's spirit of revelation, right? When you get awakened, the light bulb is resting on you. Spirit of revelation awakens you, right? That's the kiss of his word. It's the revelation that hits you, right? It's invigorating. It's powerful. It sets you on course, right? I hope that's what happens today. P.S. Kranjes, I need to pray for you after this. I really do. These people are fire. Okay. Yes. Um, Okay, so the question the Lord asked me was, what is romance to you? I was like, okay, Lord. I said, okay. The answer to that would be, for me, would be to be known and to be received and accepted wholeheartedly. To be known. Right? I don't want to be misunderstood. I don't want to be stereotyped. I want to be known for who I really am. And I want to be received by those people around me for who I really am. That's romance, okay, to me. So I answered the question. I'm going on with life. I don't know if you know this game. It's called, I got it from the Munozes. Hey, Joseph. So good to see you. But there's this game that they turned me on to called We're Not Really Strangers. It's a good game. You should get it. Anyways, I was going through Target, and I already had the game. But I noticed that this game is in a little red box. And so I, I go through Target, and I see a little, another little red box. And it says, we're not really strangers for couples. And I was like, hmm, okay. So I'm just having this dialogue. Just had it, like 30 minutes before. I go to Target, I see the game. I pick up the game, I turn it around, and on the back it says something like, true romance is to be known. And I was like, hmm. I bought the game. Uh, I haven't played it yet. But I thought, interesting. It just confirmed the dialogue because sometimes you're having this conversation with the Lord and you like think it's just you. I mean, it is just you, but I wanted to know more. So it was an invitation. I was like, okay, well, let's talk about it. Um, receiving other people. I don't know. Parents, I know you can relate. And it's not just parents, but anyone where you're going out of your way to be intentional to really show that person you love them. I, gifts is my language. When I'm loving someone, I buy them stuff. You know, I love to give gifts. I'm doing everything I possibly can. And you can feel when someone is receiving your love. Am I right? There, there's a response there. There's, 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 you can feel when, when 
they've taken it in and they've really appreciated it. Or that meant something to them. You can feel it. And then you can feel it when you're doing all these things. And this can be in lots of different contexts, right? Could be at work. You're trying to help someone. You're, you're giving them water. You're, you know, whatever you're doing to make their life easier. You don't, whatever it is. Their chair is perfect. Who knows, right? At the house, you clean the kitchen. You did the, the things that bug everyone. You did that thing for them. And you can tell when it's like not hitting. Like you're doing everything, you're breaking your back. But they're like not taking it in. And I would think, I would be like, well, it's me probably. You know, it's probably me. I'm just not loving them the way they need to be loved. Or I'm just not doing A, B, C, X, Y, Z right or maybe we're just not meant to be friends. I don't know. Maybe we're not meant to connect with them. Whatever. Well, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, it's not you, it's them. They don't know how to receive. So you could be breaking your back, loving them until hearts are coming out of their face. And they are not going to receive anything from you. It's as if nothing happened. It's as if they never got anything, were never served. They didn't notice anything you did, essentially. Now, I don't want for you to stop. You're going to need to keep doing that. But I'm just letting you know, Lindsay, it's not you. It's them. I was like, whew, my goodness. I'm glad really trying to, you know, help the person, make them feel good. They're not getting it. I was glad to know that there's a receiving end that has to be activated in order for them to actually feel and transform, be transformed by the gift of love. Right? And so I see this game. And I'm thinking... This, there's something on this, but what? What's this have to do with the body of Christ? What's this have to do with everyone else? So I was thinking about my love story here with Rob. It's a real interesting love story. Let's just say that it took me a long time to receive Rob. Could not receive him. Couldn't. He's giving me gifts. I'm not taking them. He's giving me phone calls. I'm saying don't call. He's, he's doing everything for a long time, and I'm not receiving it. Not only am I not receiving these gifts, I'm just, like, not receiving him. Because in my mind, the control that I was operating in and the image in my mind of who I was supposed to be with and all the things was actually so much pride that it was blinding me to the person that he was. So I cannot receive him. It didn't matter what he did. It was probably not going to happen because there was that level of a plank in my eye that I couldn't see. I wasn't looking either, and I certainly wasn't a very good receiver, so I couldn't, I couldn't accept it, right? And this got pretty ugly. If you have someone that doesn't want to receive what you're giving, you get ugly, you know? Um, so... 
basically I had to encounter the Lord. Spirit of revelation just kind of hit me after a certain amount of time. And the Lord just awakened me to who he was. And as soon as I began to see him, I began to receive him. I had to take ownership and say, if this person is for me, then let's do this thing. Right? And so that's immediately when things started to turn around or turn in the direction of, you know, we can date now is because I had to receive the person. Right? And it, it really is when I was asking the Lord about how this applies to the people around is really taking who you see in the body, taking who you see around you, the Lord puts in your sphere. They might even be in leadership. They might even be someone that the Lord has put in your life as a mentor, as an oversight, as someone that speaks into your life. And really you, what you have to do is with a spirit of revelation, you have to consciously ask the Lord to help you receive that person, even a husband or wife. Because what happens is, is you begin to put that wall up and you begin to reject them on the inside. And because we live in America, we live in the West, right? We can still be here, part of storehouse, and we don't have to like everything the person says. We don't have to receive them. We can just be here and get all the benefits and we don't have to really receive them. What do I mean by that? Well, Peter said that he would die for Jesus. And Jesus said... No, you won't. You're not going to die for me. They had been together three years. Jesus isn't here right here physically. We're here. Me and you are here. We're the ones here. He said, wash the feet of the others around you. Do as I did. I washed your feet. Now you're going to wash the feet of those around you. Well, we're here. That means I should wash your feet. You should wash mine. I should receive you. If something's about to go down, like the cross or a shaking, then shaking's about to happen as it will here on earth right now. Then I should wash your feet in the midst of that. You should wash my feet in the midst of that because I've really received you. Not who I wish you were, not who I wish you were once you read the word and finally repented, and then now I really think that we could be friends now. Or if you didn't just say those things, then we could be, I could receive you. Well, Jesus was saying a whole lot of things that they did not, weren't jiving with them. But it was the truth. And just opening your eyes to see the truth in each person, what they're, what they're created to be, what they're made to be like, and receiving them. And letting them be and grow into all that God's called them to be and grow into. We all know we're becoming something, right? Because we're moving from glory to glory, from strength to strength. That's the beauty of the new month. Right, We get to go up a level of glory as we gaze on him. We get to eat that new fruit from that new month, from that tree. Go read Revelation 22 too. There's new fruit every month that you get to taste and see that he's good. So we're all eating that fruit. We're all becoming something. But I can still wash your feet in the midst of it. 
I can still receive you in the midst of it. And I can still love you in the midst of it. And it's that kind of thing. That's what exploded in Acts chapter 2. That's the kind of mindset and the spirit of revelation that hit them about one another that began to transform that little community and save thousands of people. And the Holy Spirit poured out. It's that kind of thing that made people be able to, to hold the wealth of the kingdom. Is that humility to wash someone else's feet. So it's pretty cool. A couple of little quick examples that really show what it looks like to be received from by the Lord. Um, if you look in Luke 17, it's, it's the 10 lepers. Someone that received from Jesus that day, they all received healing. They were good. They were probably thinking, thank God I can now go to work and make some money and not be in poverty. But there was one guy that came back and said to Jesus, thank you so much. It wasn't just about the healing, but I really receive you as a person, right? I receive your message. That's one example. The other, another example is, is in 2 Kings. It's the Shunammite woman. And this is really cool for now. I really felt the Lord bringing me to task on this concerning the prophetic. Because the Shunammite woman, she saw Elisha. And he would come through town. And again, she's not an Israelite. She has no inheritance in, the, in, the, in Israel. She knows it. Elisha would come through town. And she decided, I'm going to make a room for this man. She made a room. It had a chair and a table, a lamp. And she made a room for him to rest every time he came through. Elisha said to her, what do you... What, what can I do for you now? You've received me so well. You've prepared a place for me so well. What can I do for you? And she, he, she said, I forget what she told him. It was a lie, pretty much. And he goes, no, I know what you want. I'm going to give you a baby. She actually said to him, I'm not an Israelite. I have no inheritance. He knew that she had no heir either. And what she really wanted was an heir. So she made room for the prophetic. She birthed a baby. Let that sink in, in this hour. Because there's a lot of prophetic going around and you can decide you're going to reject it. You can decide you don't want any part of it. But I beg to tell you that if you make room for the prophetic, you're going to begin to birth this year. There's a gift in receiving the prophets. You get that prophet's reward. There's a gift in receiving uh, the prophets in this house, right? Your leadership, those around you. There's a gift in receiving that. There's multiplication in receiving that. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of fruitfulness this year. As you say, well, there's a lot of, um, what are you going to call that? Uh, speculation for all these, the prophetic in America with what we've seen. But the Lord is saying to you again, go revisit the truth. Tune your ear to the prophetic and receive it so I can give you new birth. Right? That's what it looks like. 
as we close them, a couple of things. Um, the way to practice receiving the kingdom, number one is to eat the scroll, listen and obey what you hear. That's how you receive is action. You obeyed. Number two, take communion and remember him. You can do it at the house. We had the little cracker, the, the juice. Remember him. Appreciate the giver, if that's a physical person or the father himself. Think about, don't think about the gift, but think about the giver. And think about who gave you that. Number five, honor the prophetic, honor your elders, honor your leaders and receive them because the Lord put them over you to guide and direct you, to shepherd you. And when you receive them, you receive the Father. Number six, look deeper at people around you to see their strengths. It's amazing how when you go after looking at the goodness of God in other people and finding those things, you begin to see them. That's in a husband or a wife. That's in anyone around you. You begin to see the goodness in them. Um, Read and meditate on the descriptions of Jesus in the word. If you read those descriptions, a lot in Song of Solomon, a lot in Revelation, a lot everywhere, right? Isaiah 6. You begin to see who Jesus is for real and begin to think about it, begin to eat it, begin to remember who he is. Right? And then another way to receive is to go out into nature and look at it, really look at it. Take it in because nature declares his glory. And when you're out there, you receive the kingdom. Because heaven is all of that beauty multiplied by thousands and thousands. And so he'll give you a down payment of what heaven is like right here. When you look at it and you really look at it and you take it in and you let it transform you, the beauty transforms you. Right? Okay, so I just wanna stand. Um, We have, this is an invitation for just humility, I think. It's an invitation to to make yourself small, to go through the eye of the needle, to let yourself narrow in on what Jesus is calling you to this year, to receive all that he is, all the kingdom has. It's an invitation to enter into John 13 through 17 and let it be a, a a part of the scroll that you begin to eat and digest and think about and let it prepare you. But it's an invitation to open your eyes and look at people around you. Look at them. Really see what's there. See that bright and shining lamp that's in every single person here. 
to look at Jesus in his eyes. If you close your eyes, you can see his eyes of fire. Let's just open our hands and posture of receiving. Well, Lord, here we are. God, I ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to rest on us, spirit of truth. We receive you. Holy Spirit, we receive you. Just break agreement with being orphans. Break agreement with being in poverty. We come into agreement with sonship. Come into agreement with the wealth of the kingdom. Go ahead and put a, your hand on your stomach. God, I ask right now that every person, that they would begin to prosper as their soul prospers. That you begin to let them multiply as they go through the eye of this needle. God, that the wealthy would go through with you this year. That the wealthy would find their lane this year. that the wealthy of spirit would find their lane this year and begin to run and do the impossible. God, I ask right now for multiplication and giving like never before. God, as we shift into sonship, as we shift into wealth, God, I ask for extravagant giving. Amen.